Waldron, welcome back to Black Muse. This program is presented by the Chicago West Community Music Center, headed by Howard Sandifer and his wife Darlene. We are very excited to present Ms. Mary D tonight. She is a legendary broadcaster. She has spent 43 years in television and radio. Many of those years were spent at WGN TV here in Chicago. She was an anchor, reporter, director of community relations, and she was the lottery lady, the lucky fingers. <laughs> so please welcome Miss Mary D. <laughs> How are you? I'm wonderful. Great to see you. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. As they say, it's good to be seen. And yes. Not <laughs> it does help. Yes, indeed. So now this pandemic is moving along. We're almost out of it, but how has it impacted you and your family? Well, it has impacted all of us. And amazingly, we're still holding hands. We're still talking to each other. We're still laughing and walking the dogs and sharing stories and, and trying to be uplifting, trying to yeah. be uplifting every day, no matter what happens on TV or what happens in the community just trying to be uplifting to each other because we know we're coming out of it. We're That's confident. Good. I wanna go back. I wanna go back to a, a very painful chapter in your life, but I, I appreciate that you're willing to share a little bit about it. Your 1971 kidnapping shooting, you were shot twice in the head, Mary D, left to die. What was, what is your recovery today? What do you, what do you, what can you share about that moment? Ooh, I don't think we have enough time to share all of that about that moment. Uh, there are so many things that are happening right now that make me remember all of that. But one of the things was the conviction of the gentleman the other day and then the other part of that is more, more important to me is what do we do after we get the, the victory? We get the victory and then we say, well, we gotta keep on marching. Well, we do have to keep on marching, unfortunately, but what else do we have to do? So it has been my experience that there is a way to fight. And I love what's happening right now on the streets of all the cities and most importantly, in our own city. We, we have to think about what we want and what we're asking for people to do. It's more than just marching. It has to take 
the dare in you to go to your legislators personally. And when I go, I say, take my gang, take my group and go so that it's not just me. It's not just my few friends in my community. Make a date, just say what it is and go. See who that is and say what you have to say. The other part of that for me is when you go, understand that nothing happens in this world without finances. So when we're marching and we're talking about what we want and where we're going and what we're gonna ask for, let's always remember in our communities that we need to finance whatever it is or find somebody with the finances, ask them to do it. And they will, because we're on top right now. So going back to you, how were you able to survive that? Just how, how did that change you, Mary D? It has made me a cautious person, a much more cautious person. Not, not that I'm not as friendly as I was, I think I am. Some people say you're very cautious, Mary. And I say, well, I guess I have a right. But I was always, always the one that stepped out there real fast and said, hi, how you doing? Not knowing who it was. Didn't think anything of people calling me on the telephone. Not that they would dare follow up. I didn't think about any of that. But when that happened, it was on my nephew's birthday and all my family was in one place waiting for me to arrive. I was getting off of work. So it was my time to be there. And I was just getting ready to drive out. And all of a sudden I see the silver gun in this much of the window that was down. And that started my evening. I never got to the party. I did get to a hospital. And that was very difficult because I had to crawl out of a forest preserve and then try to flag down a car. And cars saw me, but didn't stop. An ambulance stopped. Surprising. Talk about miracles and God being on your side. The ambulance stopped and saw me and they, the guy was going to come over and get me. And then all of a sudden there was nothing. There was no movement or anything. So I decided, try to get up, try to get up on your feet, on your knees at least, crawling like a baby. I managed to get up to my knees. And at that point, it was important for somebody to see me and so I just made noise and did whatever you do to attract people. Got over, but they said they couldn't pick me up because it was against the rules of the ambulance company to pick up anyone on a highway or on a street, just being out there. A woman hit the ambulance and said, give me my husband out of there. I'll take her. I'll take this woman. And that's how I got to the hospital. And so much more after that. Oh, 
it was a nightmare. And I look at myself now and I say the nightmare has come true. You, you really have survived, girl. The big part about me was I had headaches early on. The headaches began to increase. And so as I worked year after year after year, those headaches had to be treated and they just never, ever stopped. And I can only tell you that today, all these years later, I'm still having a lot of pain. Wow. Wow. But you're a survivor. You're a survivor. Well, you have to. I don't think you have an option. If you live, that means you're a survivor. You're not a victim. You're mm. only a victim once when you get hit. And then you become a survivor. What do you do at that point? That's when the work really does come out. Wow. So did you think that you, you were gonna survive or you didn't, were you always optimistic throughout all the surgeries and all the hospitals? You know, I did think I would survive. And the reason for that is that right after it happened, laying in the forest reserve, I remember seeing this gorgeous man coming toward me. And I say this to people and then they go like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was tall. And see, when I was little, we used to see my dad and my dad was a strict guy. And when he would come toward you and you were making noise and you were supposed to be in bed sleeping, you better be quiet. You better be quiet. But he was kind and gentle. And I just saw this man. And I remember my sisters would say, shh, here comes Jesus. Because he was tall and he had this hair and he was handsome. And I could see this man coming toward me. And there was one thing that was said that I never, ever forgot. You're okay. It's okay. You can go back. You can go back. You're going to be fine. Wow. At that moment, I turned and started crawling toward the direction that I came from to go into the forest preserve. My daddy. Wow. Wow. I had no idea. I had no idea the story was going to be like that. Wow. I don't, I don't think I've ever said that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, move on. You raised more than $100 million for the UNCF. How did you find time to do that? Why did you choose that one to raise the money for? Well, they had their telethon on my station. And I was given the privilege of being host of the telethon. So each year, it was pretty easy to go back on to it. The difficulty came when it got bigger after about the third year, it started to just blossom and everybody in Hollywood wanted to be on this telethon. And so much money was offered by people from every walk of life. And I just got so energized. I forgot that I actually worked for a station 
<laughs> you would have thought that that was my job I had to do. And they reminded me of that too. You do work here, you know, you do have a job here. <laughs> I had to laugh at that because they, if they hadn't said it, I would have just kept going. I loved it so much. I love the idea that we could raise money for education, education for African-American students. And then the holy grail is for anybody else that wanted to come into one of those schools. That was heavenly. I just loved it. And I met all of the entertainers. There's so many, my family and all, they always say, how do you know, how did you know Lou Rawls? And how did you know Frank Sinatra? I mean, who, who are you? Who, where, where were you? And I say, the UNCF telethon. All wow. over. It was just magic. Wow. Now, the UNCF thanked you with a Lifetime Achievement Award. What was yes. that? What was that? Like? Were you surprised, first of all? Were you surprised about the award or you knew about it? I knew that there was going to be something, but I thought, you know, maybe some kind of certificate or something. So I thought it was a good excuse to go to New York. <laughs> so uh -huh. I was going anyway, whatever it was. And if it wasn't anything, I was going to be there because I thought that I was part of UNCF and so I should be there. And I went, oh my gosh, I was so shocked. I didn't know what to do. And I can remember standing, they just called me and that stand right there. And I'm standing in the middle of the stage and Congressman Bill, oh, I can't remember his last name right now, but I will. He, he was hosting and he was at that time, I believe he was the CEO of UNCF along oh. with being a Congressman. He, he stood there and he didn't know what to say either. He's busy looking at me and he said, you know, I've researched you and I don't know what to tell people except the truth. I don't know where you get your energy from. I don't know where your thoughts that pop out all of a sudden, where do they come from? They're so sudden and so sincere you have the biggest heart and you want every child to get an education. You don't want anybody left. We had this conversation and he was talking about kids in certain areas and with certain grade point average and all of that. Well, I was one of those, those kids that just loved going to school. I wasn't smart. I, didn't, I had a hard time taking a test and then I had an even harder time passing the test nothing came easily for me, but I loved it. I just had such a good time. I loved my teachers and all. I had a favorite teacher named Mrs. Robinson and Mrs. Robinson was just such a special lady. She encouraged me to do what I did. She said, you, you are so special. You are going to be everything you want to be. And when I thought about it, I said, oh, yeah, I guess I can be okay, I guess I can be. <laughs> and uh, I, I just stood on that stage for one more minute. And then he said, you are receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award. And people in that audience 
were applauding and standing up and stomping their feet and because I think there were a couple of people up for the award and my eyes got so big mm. and I was holding my chest because it felt like my heart was going to jump out. And I remember just standing there and Quincy Jones was sitting right down below. And he said, you deserve it, girl. You deserve it. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I thought, oh, yes, Quincy Jones. I was so, I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. And I received the award, gave the response to Bill Gray. And Congressman Bill Gray, what a, what a gentleman. And I don't mean just a gentleman, but a gentleman. Smart, tough. I wish he were here with us now. But he taught many of those people who are doing what they're doing in Congress right now. They called Quincy Jones to the stage and he and I received this sculpture, which sits in a magical special place in my house right now. I don't know how I can ever move it. It is a sculpture, a double sculpture of I have so many people that I just absolutely love. Oh, it's, there's Louis Armstrong and Dizzy Gillespie. Wow. This statue. And it's the two heads blowing horns done by a young man in Minneapolis. Beautiful. I cried, of course. <laughs> okay. Now, in terms of the guests, was Nancy Wilson there, there that night? Nancy Wilson was there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A so lot of my friends had come in. They, they hadn't said anything to me. And they just came in and stayed away from me. And everybody said, oh, don't come early just arrive on the day. So I did, and I didn't arrive until maybe three or four hours before the event. Right. I, I, I wasn't expecting any of them. I thought I wouldn't know anybody. Mm. What do you miss most about your best friend, Nancy Wilson? Oh, I wish our Sunday phone calls. You know, we were friends for over 40 years. And we talked on Sundays and giggled like little kids and talked about everything and everybody. We, we changed all the music. <laughs> we talked about who wrote that song and left out. Here's what they should have said. She, she was always going to put in another word or, or 10 or 20 in that part. That's where it should be. That's the way it should have gone. And I'd say, no, I like it like it is. And we would talk for a good hour, hour and a half. That was our Sundays. Wow. Outside of that, she was, if you want a, a personal person to you, and if you want another sister, that was my sister. Hmm. I miss her. 
I miss her a lot. And if I wanted to miss her and then just not think about her, that's almost impossible. I didn't even know many people knew how close we were. And there's so many people that'll walk up to me and say, boy, I, met, I bet you miss Nancy Wilson. And it starts all over again. But I'm, I'm getting used to it and, I'm, and I don't cry as easily now. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. She so would now, say, oh, stop it. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Now, you also raised awareness for the adoption rate you know, here in Illinois and nationwide and yeah. you know, victims of crime awareness. So why did you do, do that? I was adopted away from my family as a little girl. It was not a good adoption. So I always thought that if I could do anything with adoption, I would jump at it. And the TV station where I worked, WGN TV, which was a Tribune owned station at the time, they just gave me such leeway. I would say, I wanna do so-and-so and they'd say, you can't do that, you work, you have a job, you're head of a department, you have to do this, you have to get this done. And I'd say, I can do that and I can do the other thing, whatever that was. And I asked them to give me airtime, airtime to put children's faces on TV. But we also had the local and then we had that network. So they said, well, okay, we can do the local. I said, well, if, if you really want to get kids adopted, you have to show them to everybody. So I thought, what we can do if you give me airtime free of charge for adoption pictures and a little blurb about each child and put it on the network, these kids can be adopted from anywhere in the world, anywhere. And that is exactly what they did. And that's what happened. 60,000 young people were given blessed homes, happy homes. I recently have run, and recently being in the last five years, probably four or five families. But I have one family that stands out and this young lady I saw her near City Hall in Chicago, and she came up to introduce herself to me and told me that she was really excited and very proud of herself, her sisters and her mother, because her mother had adopted them. I said, oh, were you one of my babies? She said, we all were your babies. My mother didn't really like you too much, but she went along with you. And I couldn't believe it. I said, I can't believe you're saying that to me. I worked so hard on that. She said, my mother was so outdone with you because you convinced her to adopt all six of us, this sibling family, six girls. Amazing. One of them is a doctor. Two of them getting their PhDs. That's exciting. And, and the mother was happy and proud yeah 
still going on. Yeah. Still going on. Married their children. Oh, what a life. What a life I've had. I'm so grateful. And how about your, your victims of crime awareness? I'm still in touch with some of them, not as much because there've been so many changes and so much political involvement. And I, I admit, I try hard to stay out of the political involvement unless I really know something and I go ahead and do it. Like at the time of my kidnapping and shooting, I was able to be feisty enough to go to the legislators and ask for a bill to be passed because what I found out at that time, or my family found out, there was nothing for me. There was no help, no interest. You were a victim. And when you got hit, you were a victim. And when you walked out of there, you were a victim. They didn't try to do anything except get the trial over with. What I didn't like about that, I managed to change. And so life changed for me and all the other people that came along with that. That was really very, very special. Being able to go with Jesse White, who was a young man at that time, just really politically feisty and knowledgeable. And I went to him and I told him what I wanted to do. And he said, I'll help you. I will help you. So I ended up going to Springfield, speaking with the governor, and lo and behold, we have a, the first crime victims bill of rights in the state of Illinois that traveled across these United States of America. Because one little girl's head hurt. See, 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 see. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I knew about fundraising. So I knew, I knew about fundraising. I knew what I just said to you earlier. You have to know where the dollars are. You have to find out from somebody because nobody wants to talk to you if you can't figure out how we're going to pay for it. It's like infrastructure. Right, right, right. So now question, how do you maintain such a positive attitude? You're so inspirational. You're so sweet. You're such a giver of the universe. How do you manage to do that? Prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm prayerful about everything, but I'm so grateful. You know, think about it. I had two 38s in my head. I'm still having issues with my whole body, my head mainly. Um, what do I have to argue about? What, what, what is it I should be all downtrodden about? When I think about the people who are in fires and the fire takes the whole house and they lose everything. They, they don't just lose clothing and shoes and things of that nature. They, you lose a life. When you, you, you're sitting there as a woman, maybe a husband, maybe not, four or five kids, I just, I don't imagine any of that happening to me, but my heart goes out to them. And even more than my heart, I, I do step up when I can. It takes a lot. 
it takes a lot to get through my day sometimes. Sometimes my day is not a day that the average person gets nor will handle. Really? Mm-hmm. You don't even have time for me to go through all of that. But one day I'll tell it. All right. All right. So the next question is a little bit lighter then. How do you look so good? People were asking me that question when I was doing preparing for this uh, conversation with you. Ask her, how does she look so good? Look at her. Look at you now. I think the older the older you get, the better you are. I'm right. I'm, I'm my best right now. This is this is really living my best life. I truly believe that. I, I don't, you know, I, I used to have zits on my face and I'd be worried about that little and I wonder if somebody can see that on camera and all those things. I don't care about any of that. <laughs> I, I'm doing what I can do. And the other thing is I eat well, I try to sleep, I don't sleep a lot, but I exercise. I exercise and I get a big kick out of myself exercising. I'm slower. So what do you do, treadmill? I, I ride my bike. I have a standard bike and I ride that bike and I do all sorts of floor exercises, reaching, spinning, whatever there is. Wow. I try all of it. It's a lot of fun, it's a lot of fun. And it keeps me in good shape, keeps me in good shape, keeps my heart beating. Yeah. Yeah. And the money that I would normally have to give to a doctor, I can donate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I like that, I like that. You know, going back, how has the world of television and radio changed since you were there? Oh, Hi, what there. a great question. Do you have another hour? We can do it. <laughs> when I started, it was nothing like it is now. Nothing. There was another woman that was an African-American woman. I don't remember her name and I didn't really know her very well. She did not do what I did. But I finished school and I, I went right in and I became Mary D the honeybee. I was a disc jockey. And it was a rock jock and I did not like it at all because I didn't know rock. New Orleans people were jazz people. And so I knew the jazz. And when that station changed in about a year, year and a half into jazz, well, I was hot stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I had such a good time. I knew all the music. I met all the, the people. You know, and I think about Ramsey Lewis. Ramsey lived not far from where I was. And so he, he was Chicago, Mr. Chicago. And when he played, he played with many people and many people just came in to hear him. Whenever he was on, I was there. And I remember one night, <laughs> he was in the middle of a tune and he said, I know that Mary D is in the house. And people started applauding. And I said, shh. <laughs> he said, that's what I wanted to do. Shh. He said, when she's in the house, she has to hum or sing the words 
to whatever I'm playing. I remember hearing that and I was so embarrassed. I didn't know what to do. I had no idea that he had noticed or that he heard any of that. I, I remember laughing and everybody just laughed so hard that night. It was really great and he played even longer. Okay. I, I've had a great time. Yeah. Now, at one point, you had three radio shows on the same day here in Chicago. One of them was WJPC, owned by John Johnny Johnson. Can you tell me about that chapter of your life? <laughs> that was a work chapter, and that's all I've ever known. My first job was at the age of 14. Then I put another job on top of that, and sometimes I had three jobs, and I've been doing that all my life. Now, when I sit down, I feel no guilt, but I do feel that I should be doing something. Somebody needs me somewhere. I don't think about going to lay down or maybe not doing anything. I, I'm not going to do that. I just, I don't know. I, I love to work. I love to give. I love being out there with other people, sharing what I learn from everybody else, speaking, love speaking. And I learned so much. I learned so much when I'm outside talking to people or Zoom like this or in an, in an environment where there are people asking questions. I often think, how will I ever answer those? I'm not that smart. I don't even know that. But as soon as the question comes, I have an answer. You got an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Always have an answer. Yeah. And if not, I research whatever it is, and hopefully I'll come back and they'll invite me back. How was your retirement? Earlier, I said that you spent 43 years in TV and radio. You retired. 50 years, to actually. Now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 How how is it? Do you like it? Are you adjusted to it by at this point? Am I what? Have you adjusted to be to being retired? Do you like it now? Who's retired? Oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Never retire. Okay. Never retire. Have to keep the body going. Gotta keep it moving. Right. That's, that's how you stay active and minds going and you can still lift your arm and comb your hair. No retirement. No retirement. Okay. No. Well, what are some of the groups that you're consulting nowadays? Um, Chicago West Community School on the west side of Chicago. Community Center, I should say. Music. It's music, music, music for young people. Uh, CCAC, I've been with them since they broke ground for their, their uh, building where they are. That's uh, Chicago Children's Advocacy Center. And uh, on the corner of where their building is, is Mary D. Way. How about that? <laughs> Street sign. Yeah. Uh, and the other is uh, the Cole Children's Museum. Love that. 
that's a that's another board residency for me. Been around them. Oh gosh, I can't I I can't even remember. I just remember they were they were at the time that I really joined them in the city of Evanston. And it was a smaller place and little kids would come in and they would take the baskets. I think it was one of the big stores had these little children's shopping carts made for them. And they would come in and they'd walk around the store like they were grown-ups, and they'd roll their baskets and then they'd stop and look on the on the wall and they would take off <laughs> something that looked like a can of maybe beans or something. And they'd say, I think I'm gonna buy that today. And you could ask them, so what is that? And they'd say, Oh, that's corn. That's corn. We're going to have corn for dinner. And I'd say, well, what do you put with corn? You know, and you'd ask them questions and the minds of little children. Oh, my goodness. Talk about alive. It was wonderful. So much fun. And there's still Cold Children's Museum still going, still doing some of the same things for all of the children from everywhere that come in there. They learn so much. Good enough, good enough. You know, I was looking at your book, Life Lessons. I'm not sure if you can see it or not. Yes, looking at your book here. That's me. <laughs> yeah, that's you, Mary D. <laughs> and the book is still available, MaryD.com, I believe, right? MaryD.com? Amazon. Yeah. Amazon as well. Easy. Okay. Okay, good. Well, we'll go to Amazon. But there was something that your father taught you, 10 little words. Those words helped your career. Can you share those with the, the viewers? I loved him. He was very inspirational. But who else was very inspirational to me? Was my grandmother and my grandfather. And I dedicated that book, Life Lessons on Faith, Forgiveness, and Grace, to them because they met and married at 15 and 17 and died at 92 and 94, still crossing the street, holding hands, and him with his spats and his hat. <laughs> he, he was hot stuff. <laughs> and he'd wow. take his lady on his arm and go at it, you know. Wow. I think about all of those things. The two little, 10 little, two little words, I call it. If it is to be, it is up to me. And it really is. If you think about it, that can belong to anyone. If what I need to do to survive, if what I want to do to help someone else, if I want to do any of that, it's really up to me to think about it, think it through, figure out how to do it, and then share it with someone and someone will want it. Someone will take it and go for it. Cool. Will you write another book, do you think? A follow-up? Probably, probably. I would love to write about my early years in radio and TV. Mm. Okay. I was a real, um, as they say, a trailblazer. I, I, I did both radio and TV at the same time. So when I was doing those three radio stations, I was also doing some television. 
I remember I I would get home, but I didn't know I was at home. Hmm. Hmm. You're working hard. Absolutely. Yes. Hit the door. Food. <laughs> I wanted it. Sometimes I ate it. Sometimes I didn't get it till the next morning. I was out <laughs> like a light. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. Well, we're, we're about to wind, wind up a little conversation here. I got one last question for you, Mary D. Mm -hmm. How would you like the world to remember you? This is 80 years from now. This is, you know, this is whenever long. How do you want us to remember you? The girl that loved to love, loved to love people, loved to bring love and happiness to people. Treat everybody really good. She treated everybody really good. I mean, even when she was disgusted about something, she'd stop and talk to you. We, I, we like her. We, yeah, I, I like, I'd like that. I would like that. I, I don't know anything else. I think whatever, people ask me all the time, what do you think your legacy is? I say, I'm living my legacy right now. So, you, you know, when I'm gone, you can name it whatever you want. I'm probably going to have quite a few legacies. Okay, okay. All right, anything else you want to share with us? Anything that I did not ask you that you want me to yes, ask you? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Clarence Waldron. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Thank you were you. great as a questioner. You didn't even send any trick questions in to me. Right. <laughs> None of that. For None which I am forever grateful. Okay, that's fine and dandy. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Take care. <laughs>